Please pray with me. Gracious Father, we thank You that we are able to come together as children who have been grafted into the family to celebrate the wonderful gift that You have given us. The gift of Your Son who was a sacrifice for our sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit who dwells within. Father, we ask that You would dwell in the midst of Your people today. Lord, that we would worship You and sing and in reading and studying of the Word and our tithes and in our offerings. Father, in our fellowship and our communion with each other and with You. Lord, we ask that You would bless the reading of Your Word in our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We all have that one friend. In fact, I'm one of those friends. Uh, as I'm sure we all are at one time or another, he's the one that is likely to show up at the most inopportune time. Likely he'll ask, uh, I'm going to stop mid-sentence here, build some suspense. We don't have Sunday school today. We don't have nursery today. Your children are loved and expected to make noise. That is absolutely fine. If you need the nursery because you need to change a diaper, the door is open, but it is not staffed. That does not mean that you can put your child in there and close the door. It means you can go in there with them and change a diaper or whatever. If they're fussy, that's fine too. But we really encourage you. It's okay if they make noise as a pastor. It doesn't, children making noise does not bother me. I raised three of my own and, and they certainly made noise. And so I'm fine with that. So don't get worked up if your child isn't being quiet. Um, they're more than welcome to be here. Um, so we have this friend that shows up. They ask impossible favors. They show up at the worst possible time. Sometimes even to the point that maybe they're taking advantage. It's like, why am I friends with this person? In this parable, this guy's in bed. His kids are asleep. The doors are locked. The wife is asleep. The television is off. The food is put away. And there's this knock at the door. In fact, there's probably a ring doorbell going off. And he says, what do you want? Now, in the Old Testament, there was this covenant. And the covenant said that if someone was traveling or there was a sojourner in the land or a foreigner in the land, that you were to be hospitable to them. You gave them a place to sleep. You gave them food to eat. You comforted them and took care of them. In fact, when we taught the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan was keeping the covenant of hospitality that the priests and the Levites failed to keep. Right? That's one of the things that makes that whole parable so amazing is they were he was keeping the covenant and the Jews didn't even recognize him on the same level. And so there was this covenant notwithstanding. And so here you have the covenant. The guy comes over and he's banging on the door. He says, hey, somebody showed up at midnight. I wasn't expecting them, but I've got to give them some food to eat. Do you have any bread I can give? 
He said to them, which of you has a friend? Will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he'll answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. Which of you is that friend? That you can actually wake up and go to their house in the middle of the night and say, you know what, I really need a Pepsi. I just, I need a Pepsi. You know, who has this friend? I, I, and who is that friend that you're willing to go and do that? I think we all have friends who might even begrudgingly open the door, but who is bold enough to say, hey, I need to do this. I need something. Remember, a parable is a word picture of what Jesus is trying to teach. In this case, He's showing this beautiful picture of a guy who goes over to his friend's house. Why? Because some friends of his showed up in the middle of the night and he's like, I don't have anything to feed them. So he goes next door to his neighbor's house and he starts banging on the door. How many of you are willing to be that friend that goes next door and interrupts your friend's sleep? And you're like, huh? Well, see, this is why it's difficult because first of all, it takes a humble heart to reach out when we're in need. This is why it's kind of hard to connect with the very first few sentences in this. It's like, who has a friend who's willing to do this? Well, it takes humility to go over and say, you know, I need something from you. And sometimes that's the hardest thing for us. We don't like to need other people. Today, as we celebrate our risen Lord, we recognize that one of the hardest things to admit is that we need a Savior. The whole world rallies against that idea. In fact, today in the New York Times, there was a whole op-ed essay written by a guy, I think his name is Shalom, who said, hey, you know what we need to pass over today is God. He's mean, he's vengeful, he's hateful, there's all these wars and famines and all of this stuff. Really what we need to do is quit following God. See, it is the, the foundation of this sin nature that we're born with to not want to rely on God and to not want to need Him. And certainly we don't want to answer to Him. But we need Him for salvation. We need Him for those things that we cannot control. We need Him for our very breath. And we don't like to admit that we need anyone or anything. It has a word. What is it called? Pride. Right? No, I'm not going to ask for help because I've got this. I can handle this on my own. And sometimes we can. But certainly when it comes to salvation, we cannot. 
In this case, he had a need. It was for a good reason. He told his friend that a friend of his is on a journey. The covenant would require him to feed his sojourning friend. He's humble enough to ask for help, and he has a good reason for asking. Right? It's one thing if someone comes over and they're asking a favor, and it's just a nothing favor. It's an entirely different thing if someone comes over and asks, and it's evident they really have a need. Now imagine you have a neighbor, and you have a good reason, and you've come to a place where you're humble enough to reach out and ask for help, and now his neighbor, or your neighbor, (coughs) says, hey, dude, it's late. I'm in bed. The TV's off. Go home. So now you've come to a place where you're humble enough to do it, And you get over there and you're rejected. See, one of the things about being humble is when you are humble, you are vulnerable. Right? Because now you've killed the pride. You've laid it out there and said, I need help. I tell you, though we will not get up and give Him anything because He is His friend, yet because of His impudence, He will rise and give him whatever he needs. Not because they're friends, right? But literally, impotence can be distinguished by a disregard for others when you are in need or trying to accomplish something. You don't care what they're thinking. You don't care how much of of an inconvenience it is. You don't care what burden you're putting on them. All you care about is getting your need fulfilled. If you've had children, you know exactly what this is like, right? We brought home a baby, eight pounds, nine and a half ounces, and brought her to the house. And of course, Karin was this infant, beautiful baby girl. Um, Guys are less equipped to feed babies than women are and so tish had to go to the hospital to check out or do something i don't even remember what but she left me at home with this thing and it started to cry so i did what any father would do well maybe not any father but i actually didn't mind changing diapers and so i take her diaper off no it's dry put the diaper diaper back on i pick her up pat her on the back no she's still crying i like lay her down still crying flip her over still crying it's like there's only one other thing it can be right she's hungry um yes i'm sorry i'm not equipped so i did what any thoughtful caring father would do and i carried her back and i put her in the crib and i closed the door And I walked out and I cranked up the volume on the TV, right? Because I can't stop the crying. I can't fix what's broke. And she didn't care. All she wanted was food. She didn't care how much it inconvenienced me. And I'm like, well, it doesn't do any good to hold a crying baby. Maybe got off the path here a little bit. Anyway, she survived. I got to tell you, (laughs) there were times that it was... We were laughing the other day, just side story. She had a cold, 
and Tish was deployed, and she was a very young child, an infant. She was still in her crib and still drank from a bottle. And I don't know. I mean, when I have a cold, I take NyQuil, right? So I go out and I make her a bottle and I take one of the little cups and I fill it up with NyQuil and I dump it in there. Slept for three days. But I'll tell you this, when she woke up, zero cold. Anyway, she's alive. When a baby is crying, the first thing we think of is, how do I make it stop? Like, how do I fix this? And first you figure out, why is it crying? And then you do whatever you can to make it stop. All the baby is worried about is fixing whatever it perceives it's wrong, is wrong. Either the di- my diaper is dirty or I'm hungry or whatever it may be. If your friend comes over in the middle of the night and starts banging on the door, you'll answer it just so they stop banging. You'll give them whatever they want if they'll just go away. If they'll stop asking. And in Luke 11.9 it says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. A little bit change here. Jesus says, ask. Just ask. It will be given to you. Seek it, and you'll find it. Knock, and it will be opened. We're not only permitted to approach the Lord and ask and make requests, we're commanded to do that. Literally, he says, ask. It's a command. Knock. Seek. Make contact with God and let your requests be made known. Talk to me. He wants us to humble ourselves. He wants us to ask for what we need. And He provides the way for that to happen. Hebrews chapter 4.16 says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Number three, we are commanded to humble ourselves and ask. It's not just, hey, by the way, when you get time, God's available if you need Him. No, that's the very first place we should turn. The very first thing we should do is be knocking on God's door day or night saying something's wrong and this is the first place I thought of. But it's difficult. Because when we pray, the what-ifs creep up. Can He hear me? What if he says no? What if he doesn't answer? What if he answers and I don't like the answer, right? It's all about the what ifs. We forget that our God is a very, very big God. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he writes, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. He is more than able. 
to do far more than we can begin to fathom. But it may not be the way we expect it. It may not be the answer we expected or the answer that we wanted, but oftentimes after we see God do a thing, then we see the beautiful picture that comes after it. Even if at the time, we don't understand it. The only thing that is lacking is not God's ability, but our faith to ask. In verse 10, for everyone who asks, receives. By the way, if who asks? Oh, everyone. Everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, for him it is open. See, this is this blanket thing. If you knock, the door will be opened. If you seek it, you'll find. If you ask, you'll receive. God wants us to ask. He commands us to ask. So then we have to ask, okay, but what should we be asking for? I mean, there's lots of pastors teaching this morning in pulpits all across America saying you should ask for a better job. You should ask for a bigger car or a bigger house, or more money in the bank, or maybe a newer jet. I ask for an Aston Martin all the time. And I want you to know that when we were in Lake Los Angeles, which is this poor community in Southern California, I had a gentleman who came to our church, uh, John Jones. I just um, I did his funeral about 15 years ago and just did a funeral for his wife. Uh, Miss Ruth a couple months ago. But I said, I really want an Aston Martin. And he gave me an Aston Martin. I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, this is such an awesome gift. Of course, it was only this big. And it was mounted to a piece of wood. But it's the thought that counts, right? What should we be asking for? These things... Maybe in God's will for your life, the money, the bank account, the cars, the houses. And maybe they aren't in God's will for your specific life. But instead of asking that God would meet our desires, we should be praying, God, give me the desires that I should have, the desires that you want me to pray for, give me the desires of my heart is literally the prayer, right? It says God gives us the desires of our heart, not that He gives you everything that you desire, but He tells you what you should desire. We're to pray that God's will in our life would be accomplished. What Father among you, in verse 11 If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Even people who aren't Christians know 
that you don't give your children a venomous animal when they ask for food, right? You don't give them serpents. You don't give them scorpions. Although certainly one of the fondest days in my mother's life, I've mentioned this before, was when she came home and found us frying up rattlesnake in her kitchen. Um, and certainly I woke my son up one time. This was a very tricky thing. He was laying in our living room and I walked over and I looked and he was laying on his side and on his arm was a scorpion. And I'm like, I really don't know how to do this without him getting bit. So I, I very carefully woke my son up. I said, John, I just need you to lay perfectly still. He was probably eight. He was not amused. I mean, I didn't put the scorpion there, but I had to calm him down so I could get the scorpion off without him getting... I, it all worked out. <clears throat> Although, <laughs> I'm sure that he, he carries the emotional scars. But that's the least of reasons. It, it really is, right, we know that to give someone something that they don't need when they have a need that they can't fill is actually just being cruel. God says even the evil people know not to give a cruel gift. You know how to give the right thing. How much more then does the, does the Heavenly Father know? Jesus is teaching in this parable and He's saying that He's giving us the best possible gift. Notice what he says. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? See, it's not even the answer to all the questions. The answer to all the questions, everything that we could possibly seek and hope to find is found in the giving of the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit who guides us convicts us, sustains us, dwells within us, loves us, calms us down in the midst of the storm, and is there when we're struggling spiritually or on top of the mountain. As we celebrate Easter this morning as believers, we recognize that the implications of the resurrection have important ramifications on our eternal lives. Sometimes we forget that the resurrection touches our lives not just in eternity, but constantly. To constantly live in that, a life of prayer. Jesus ascended into heaven and the gift that He gave us was the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're able to speak to God directly because of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And God promises that He will care for us and provide for our needs if we will but ask and knock and seek. When we are faithful to ask, He is faithful to provide. Now here's the neat thing. He's actually faithful to provide even when we don't ask. But we are commanded to ask. 
And time and time again, we're promised that if we will humble ourselves and reach out, God is faithful to answer our prayers and to meet our needs. In Philippians, Paul puts it this way. Verse 419, chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We all need a Savior. We can't live this life on our own. And if by some miracle we pull it off, right? Because there's some days it's like, God, for me to make it through this day, I need You. Well, we might be able to pull it off to some extent. Maybe we can make it through this life without Him. But we can't make it through the next one without Him. We need a Savior. We need our God. In Him, we have our very life and breath. And He wants to be intimately engaged in our lives every single day. Number one, it takes a humble heart to reach out in need. And God knows that. When you are humble, you're vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable, you're likely to get hurt. And God knows that. Still, we're commanded to humble ourselves and to ask. Why? Because we trust God. That even in our vulnerability, He is there for us. This is the message of the cross. Right? This is the purpose of the resurrection. When we are faithful to ask, He is faithful to provide. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are a God who loves His children. Today, as we celebrate the resurrection, we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit. We celebrate being grafted into the family. And Father, we are so grateful that You love us so very much that You are willing to give Your Son. Father, we pray a blessing over each person here today that You would love them and encourage them. Father, that when they need, they would humble themselves and ask. Father, we pray that if there are any here today that don't know You, Father, that You would call them out. That they would humble themselves and ask that You may give them eternal life. And if you are here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I will be here after church today. Feel free to find me and look for me and I will be glad to introduce you. Truly, God, You are an awesome God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with us. Thank you.